You're listening to the Warrior Priest Podcast. And this is the Warrior Priest Podcast. Midweek debrief number 131. And I'm the Warrior Priest, Donald Riley. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you, as always, for your time and attention. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to Anchor FM, Warrior Priest Podcast, click the support button. Otherwise, you can go to the Warrior Priest Podcast at wordpress.com and click subscribe. That being said, today on the show, it is November 9th, 2022, the day after elections, midterm elections in the United States. As was predictable, there was chaos and confusion, voting machines breaking down, computer systems crashing, not enough paper ballots, mail-in ballots being lost and then found. So the usual election cycle in the United States. Engineer chaos, offer a solution, get everyone riled up and excited to vote for their favorite team and their favorite players. And then when they win, they say the elections weren't rigged. And when they lose, they say they are rigged. When we all know from experience, from history, that there is no such thing as a free and democratic election, and there never has been. But rather, the candidates are pre-selected for us. They are marketed and branded to us. They have been bought and sold years before they're ever put up at a podium in front of us. The politicians, the political parties, the political mouthpieces, the mainstream media, the news, and all the other corporations that control the flow of information in and out of our eyes and our ears and our minds have created a web. They have hacked into us. And as a consequence, we gladly and willingly participate in this election process for who will be our new slave master. Why do we do this? The simple, dismissive, perhaps condescending answer is because we are dumb sheep and we prefer to be controlled and manipulated and to live by comfortable lies rather than think for ourselves, to judge, to speak, to act, to listen, to be engaged in politics and culture, to interact with our neighbors and to be involved with our communities and neighborhoods, to live in the constant state of tension that is created, that is part and parcel of freedom. Because freedom is messy. Freedom is, I'm free to make a choice. And that choice that I make will not always be to my own personal benefit or to the benefit of my neighbor. But that's what it means to live free. We are free to do right by our neighbors, but we are also free to mess it up. And to most, as has been proven from experience, Comfortable lies are preferable to a messy freedom. So what we have then in the United States is not a democratically elected government at the federal or state level, but rather regimes. Theater. I compared it to the Rocky Horror Picture Show where the actors come out on stage, play their roles, and then as the audience wait for their cues, they jump out of their seats and they chime in. Or like the comedy game show whose line is it anyways, the questions are made up and the points don't matter. We are slaves on a plantation 
We are chattel slaves. The only difference between us and other forms of slavery is that our slavery is a cage that we carry around in our pockets that connect us to the rest of the world. We are chattel slaves. We are owned from the moment we are born, brainwashed, indoctrinated from the moment we are born, made into obedient little statists, worshippers of the national election and the state election process. And we show reverence toward politicians and their political mouthpieces as if they care at all about us. The same people who approve of and want to pass legislation that allows a 13-year-old girl to take hormone blockers and get a double mastectomy because she identifies as a boy are the same people who will not lower the legal drinking age from 18 or allow people such as young girls and boys to get tattoos before they are 18. And we vote for these people. We vote for people who do not believe that a baby in the womb is a human life. So we vote for the other team who believes that the babies in the wombs of people that have a different skin color or worship a different God or live in a different place on earth than us, well, their babies don't deserve to die as we bomb them with drone strikes. And you could say, well, we have to vote for the lesser of two evils. But as I've said before, the lesser of two evils is still evil. And by saying that, you are acknowledging that you are complicit and participating in evil, which makes you evil. I don't vote. I have no horse in the race, no iron in the fire. I believe they are all equally malevolent and that they would cut us all off at the knees to maintain or gain power. But I don't think this is a reason to despair, actually. Quite the contrary. I believe it's an opportunity for large swaths of the population to wake up from their sleep and stop, stop drinking the fluoridated water and acknowledge we do not have elections. We have selections. And we are made to select between the lesser of two slave owners, aristocrats, elites, those who are bought and paid and owned by corporations and corporate interests, the UN, the World Economic Forum, the Council on Foreign Relations, the WHO. And so don't eat, don't vote. If you vote, you can't complain because you're part of the problem. Rather, subvert the system. Live as free men and women in such a way that you don't need politicians to tell you what is or isn't allowed. You don't need someone to tell you that they didn't vote in favor of sending your tax money overseas so that other people in other countries could be bombed and shot at and killed with our money. Don't participate. Opt out. And actually, there are ways, if you look into it, to make sure that your tax dollars do not go for particular programs. There are ways. So we can argue that the abolition of slavery happened in the mid-19th century, but then we still have to take into consideration what the phone in our pocket is doing. Sure, we don't have shackles. Sure, we're not whipped by the plantation owner of the bulls. But instead, our cages, our phones and screens that we carry around with us 24-7 
I just learned yesterday that the average American now spends 13 hours a day in front of a screen. 13 hours in front of a screen. So that we don't need to worry about voting machines being hacked when they have figured out how to hack our brain. You think, you speak, you act according to your programming. We are cybernetic organisms at this point with clumsy thumbs. We are the coldest of all the cold monsters, as Nietzsche put it. Because we are a part of this machine. And this machine that we are a part of is politics. We are the body politic. We are this cybernetic organism connected to the body politic. And we are controlled. We are manipulated. We are manufactured for obedience. And so by the early 20th century, this belief that our chains of servitude had been taken from us, that the black man and woman were truly liberated from the evils of slavery, well, that all dissolved rather quickly in the 20th century, as Jim Crow laws demonstrate, as our constant experimentation and exploitation and oppression of black folks demonstrates. And not just black folks, Japanese people during World War II, the Native Americans, who we have never ceased to commit genocide upon, experimenting upon them, exploiting and manipulating them. And yes, I'm aware, historically we can argue that there's always going to be some opposing force that overwhelms another group of people. That is human history. One group of people overwhelms and overpowers another group of people. The people on the Trail of Tears had slaves. That's a fact. The only people treated worse on the Trail of Tears were the slaves of those people. But we're never told about that in history class. We're taught about the Trail of Tears, but we're not taught that those noble savages, as we like to refer to them, thanks Cloud Levi Strauss, that they too had slaves. It's human nature to want to impose your will and force others to do your work for you. Slaves are there to stand between you and death. Slavery was invented to prolong the life of some and shorten the life of others. There's a reason that we don't live to 120 or 130. And it's not biology. It's by design. And so there is little that one can do without the state nowadays. Local, state, federal governments. There's almost no corner of our lives where we can escape from this techno-surveillance society that has evolved and, and been created for us, manufactured for us. And just like a drug dealer, at first, it was all advertised and given to us as free. And we all signed up because it was new and it was shiny and it was free. But just like any dealer, at some point they said, okay, but now you have to pay. And we didn't pay with money all the time. We paid with our souls. So that we are now slaves to social media. Most of us can never even imagine a time when we could live without it. Just tell somebody who complains about social media that they're free to buy a flip phone and not be on social media and see the reaction. It's the reaction of a drug addict being told that there's no more meth in the house. It's the exact same reaction. We are doped into servitude. We are dope sick. 
in this culture. We participate in our own enslavement. We participate in our own euthanizing. We participate in our own genocide. And then we put a sticker on, I voted. Congratulations, you just voted for a person who would drive over you twice if you were in the way of their car at an intersection. And it has nothing to do with the D or the R, the red or the blue, or which side of the aisle you're on. It's two wings of the same bird because they are all bought and paid for and owned by the same corporations and the same global interests. All of this is available to anyone who gets on DuckDuckGo and just starts going down the rabbit hole. There are pages on Instagram. There are YouTube channels that cover this extensively. It's their whole mission is to inform and enlighten. But we don't want to think. We don't want to judge. We don't want to act. We don't want to function as independent free people and live and take care of each other apart from the state because we are brainwashed. We are now dyed-in-the-wool, born-and-bred statists who worship at the altar of nationalism, the cult politic. And so we may argue and we may say that we love freedom and that we enjoy all of these freedoms. We don't. Not in the United States. That is a lie. That is propaganda. We have privileges. We don't have rights. And those privileges, as has been demonstrated the past three years, can be taken away from us in a moment. And what's even more tragic than that is how many people amongst us our neighbors, our friends, our families, how many of them are more than happy to turn on us, to call for our imprisonment and mass incarceration, who demanded over the last two and a half years that we be denied access to food, to clothes, to medical care, to even be allowed to walk amongst other people if we did not bend a knee and submit ourselves to the ruling authorities. We are a nation of sheeple. We are brainwashed and indoctrinated. And we are pitiful. But nobody believes that, of course. I'm just being cynical. I'm just being negative. There's no receipts. This isn't pragmatism. This is just blind idealism. Maybe. Or maybe it's time-tested. Maybe I've been around the block more than a few times. Maybe this isn't my first rodeo. Maybe I've been paying attention and doing this for decades. Maybe I've been given the spirit of discernment to see, to hear, to understand, to comprehend. So we are caught in perpetual wars. Both sides vote for that. High taxes and mass surveillance, both sides voted for that. Stifling regulations, corporate welfare, inhumane war on drugs, both sides voted for that. An increasing move towards censorship, for those who fail to toe the status line, both sides voted for that. No matter who you elect, they both voted. Both teams, both parties, red or blue, doesn't matter. They all voted for those. Perpetual war, high taxes, mass surveillance, stifling regulation, corporate welfare, inhumane war on drugs, increased censorship. These are bipartisan votes. This is when they crow about crossing the aisle to work with the other side. Of course they're working with the other side because they're both owned by the same corporate masters. Well, we just have to vote the right people into power. That's all. You're just cynical. If we can just get the right people into power, then the system can be fixed. 
That's statism. That's a religious cult that requires faith and blind hope. And so you're willing to endure the abuses of the state in the hopes that your man or woman gets voted in so that they can end the abuses of the state. But ask them, are you in favor of perpetual war? And they'll start talking about our national interest and national security. Ask them if they're in favor of higher taxes and they'll talk about inflation and all of the amazing government programs in their districts that they're responsible for. Talk about mass surveillance and they'll say, if you have not committed a crime, you have nothing to hide. Stifling regulations, corporate welfare, well, they're too big to fail. The market must correct itself with our help. The inhumane war on drugs, well, if you're not a junkie, you have nothing to worry about. Increased censorship, we're just trying to protect you from misinformation and fake news. It's all propaganda. It's all the party line. It's all living by lies. And yet because we are brainwashed and indoctrinated, we live by faith in a system that abuses us on a daily basis. Why? Because we want to overlook and ignore and diminish the effect that the existence of these powerful entities and institutions have over us in our lives. And so we are in favor of morally corrupt, power-hungry individuals and corporations. We are actually in favor of the growth of the state. We believe then that the best amongst us will rise to the top, even though you have to be selected. Hard work doesn't actually matter. And so it's the worst among us, not the best, who are most likely to rule over us. Because it is the, the worst among us, the weakest, the most craven, the most malicious and malignant individuals who are attracted to the kind of power that the state offers to them. Because it costs them one thing. There is one price for entry into this particular exclusive club. It costs the soul of the individual. They are not human anymore. They are something other, which is why they function by a different set of ethics and morals. They function by a different set of standards and rules. And we gladly and willingly participate in this ruse because we'd rather live by lies, comfortable lies, than have to live in the tension and the constant anxiety of uncomfortable, messy freedom. There is no such thing as the free market in the United States because of the coercive nature of the state and the incestuous relationship between corporations and the state. The government is not limited, but rather is limited by its participation, its involvement with these multinational corporations. Why do you think that we still hear the drum being beat for these vaccines that they know kill more people than COVID itself? It's all about profits. It's all about power. And the little guy, which is us, we don't matter. We're guinea pigs. We're test subjects. We're either, we're either determined to be essential or non-essential workers by those who have never worked a day in their life And so these people, these elites, these aristocrats, these wealthy, powerful entities, 
they determine what we can and cannot do. They don't ask for our approval. They just do it and then after the fact, tell us that they're going to pass laws to protect us from all the useful idiots that they exploit and use to create instability in our culture, to create the anxiety and the fear, to create that chaos which is socially engineered so that we'll demand that they pass more laws, demand that they hire more police, demand that they deploy more IRS agents. Protect us from ourselves, daddy state. We are like moths to a flame. So Thomas Sowell, since I'm thinking about it, he wrote this book called Intellectuals in Society. And in the book, he said, why the transfer of decisions from the individual and the organizations directly involved? often depicted collectively and impersonally as, quote-unquote, the market, to third parties. Why do we transfer our decisions, the decisions of individuals and organizations, to third parties who pay no price for being wrong, who we expect to better produce results for a society at large? Why do we never ask that question? Because we don't like the answers. Why do we transfer our decisions to a third party that could care less about us, who doesn't know us, who pays no price for being wrong or making a bad decision that directly and sometimes fatally affects us. Why do we do that? Because we don't want to ask the question, how did this happen? How did we allow this to happen? Because we're afraid that we might be complicit. And so we don't want the answer. We don't ask the question. The politicians who rule over us are not wise. They're not charitable. They're not compassionate. They're not intellectuals. Not all of them, not most of them. Some, yes, of course, it's never always. Some are, very few. As a consequence, these weak, craven, malignant tumors on our society's parasitic organisms that make up the Senate, the Congress, and the Oval Office are suffering from a collective contagion that afflicts them and afflicts those who are like them. F.A. Hyatt called it fatal conceit. And when taken to the extreme, it leads to the socialist experiments of the 20th century. It leads to the past two and a half and three years when these pharmaceutical companies, along with the governments they colluded with, performed their experiments on us. And as a consequence... What do we end up with? Impoverishment, suffering, and death. Impoverishment, impoverishment, suffering, and death. That is the fatal conceit of the political ruling class and their corporate masters. Every social problem requires a political solution. Every family problem requires a political solution. Every individual problem requires a political solution at work, at school, in the park, at the bar, at the stadium, at home, at church. No matter where you go, if there's a problem in the United States, our immediate response is, state, fix it. Pass a law. Do something. Because we don't want to take responsibility for our own problems. So remove the barriers that stand in our way by erecting new barriers. And so these political parties that rule over not just us, but most of the Western Hemisphere, 
They have no intention whatsoever, no incentive to shrink the size of the state or its reach and influence. Instead, they control and manipulate the voting process in such a way that their men and women are chosen. And so every election, as has been proven because we have the receipts, history shows us this. Every election is simply coming down to who gets to cheat the best. That's all it is. Which side cheats the best? And how much propaganda do we have to pump out to get the greatest number of people to go out and vote so that it is easier for us to cover up our fraud? And we accept it. We accept voting machines going down. We accept voting machines being hacked. We accept paper ballots being lost and found. We accept gerrymandering and ballot harvesting. We accept all of it. And we shrug our shoulders and we move on with our life. Watch Netflix, put something sugary and doughy in your mouth. Go to sleep, wake up, rinse, repeat. We are a nation of sheeple, chattel slaves who favor control and manipulation, who are in favor of brainwashing, who are in favor of genocide and euthanasia and abortion, who are in favor of being dumb and lazy and fat. And you can argue with me if you want, that's great. But just take a walk around outside downtown sometime and tell me I'm wrong. Try to have a conversation with someone about philosophy or theology. Try to get one of your friends or your family members to come down and try jujitsu or Muay Thai. Try to tell them to put their phones and their screens away and limit the amount of time they spend on them every day. See how far you get. There are the outliers. There are the exceptions. But that's exactly what they are. They are exclusions. They are exceptions. They are not the norm. And they never will be from here on out. And I know I sound like I'm angry. I know I sound like I'm upset. Honestly, I'm not. It's just a really serious subject to me. Like I said, I don't vote. I don't have a horse in the race. I think they're all equally corrupt and nihilistic and satanic. I believe they're sick and twisted and controlled by demons. There you go. It's my honest confession. Especially at the federal level, I think they're all sick, twisted, and satanic. I think they're all demonic. At the state level, you know, catch as catch can, but at least in Minnesota... My governor, my attorney general, the legislature is predominantly made up of sick, twisted people who are controlled by demons. Because it's my belief, based on my research and the data that I've collected and the people I've talked to, that during COVID, elderly people were left to die in this state, put on ventilators because they knew they would kill them. My state, the governor, the legislature, the attorney general, hyper-pro-abortion, hyper-active in pushing gender dysphoria as a normal state, a normal mindset. They happily promote drag shows for our youth. They're all about gender transition surgery. And apparently, according to the voters last night, a majority of the state agrees with them. We should mutilate our children. We should render our, our daughters um, unable to have children later in life. We should allow them to mutilate themselves at 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. We should allow our children to be exposed to perverts and degenerates. We should make mainstream mental illness and gender dysphoria. That's my state. That's their platform. And apparently a majority of people in this state think that's a good idea. 
to teach it in the schools, to promote it socially, on the news, on TV. So what are you going to do? Right? Plus, my state's notorious for gerrymandering, ballot harvesting, losing, finding ballots in the middle of the night. Not just in the last five years or six years, but for decades, since at least the late 70s. So I grew up with this. That's why I'm not jaded. I'm not cynic, a cynic. I'm just pragmatic. I'm just matter of fact about it. I think it's a social contagion. I think it's a mind virus. And I think it's all by design. And I think it's been manufactured to bring us to this point. It's all part of a larger agenda and that we have no control over it. And so my choice and my family's choice is to not participate in our own slavery, to not vote for our slavery. We choose to live free. And then within that, we learn the rules of the game and we teach our children the rules of the game so that they understand that the game that's being played is not in their favor and it is not designed for them to win. And they will not win if they play by the same standards as everyone else who's playing the game, those who made the game, those who wrote the rules of the game, and those who control the outcome of the game. So we'll play your game when you make us, when you require us to, but we will do it in such a way that we behave wise as serpents, innocent as doves. We will be kind. We will be compassionate. We will be charitable to a point. But make no mistake, we do not like you. We do not trust you. And we will not lift a finger to help you carry out your nefarious plans. And we will spend and devote our lives to undercutting your regime, its ideology, its programs, in any way, shape, or form, to enlighten and to inform others to hopefully wake them up. Because I'm grateful for every day of life. I am. I'm grateful to be sober. I'm grateful to be a husband and father. I'm grateful for my teammates and my coaches. I'm grateful for everything. But I also recognize that none of that was provided for me or to me by the state. None of it. Quite the opposite, actually. And so they can cheat and they can lie and they can play their roles and all the people in the theater can wait for their cues to jump up and say, I voted. But all they're attempting to do, all that they do is calculate how much they have to push us to evoke hatred and aversion and contempt for those who disagree with us, to convince us how we can break through the ranks of our opponents, not to correct their mistake, but to destroy them. That's Vladimir Lenin, by the way. (laughs) Funny how the ideology of Vladimir Lenin sounds exactly like modern politics in the United States even though we claim to be the most democratic of nations, a light on the hill for others, an example of the body politic done right. We're not. We're not better than Lenin and the Bolsheviks. So we who slip through the cracks, we who beat the odds, we who don't participate actively, gladly, willingly in our own enslavement, we who recognize the unelected bureaucrats who claim to represent us, the crony capitalists, who enrich themselves at the trough of state power. We see you. We know what you are. We know who you work for. You are predators. That's who you are. And you see all of us as sheep. 
And so as H.L. Mencken writes in, um, what's the name of that book? Notes of Democracy. No, it's on democracy. H.L. Mencken, Notes on Democracy, writes, under democracy, two branches reveal themselves. This is the art of the demagogue. Demagogue, sorry. And there is the art of what may be called the demaslave. The demagogue is one who preaches doctrines he knows to be untrue to men he knows to be idiots. The demaslave is one who listens to what these idiots have to say and then pretends that he believes it himself. Every man who seeks elective office under democracy has to be either the one thing or the other. And most men have to be both. No educated man, stating plainly the elementary notions that every educated man holds about the matters that principally concern government, could be elected to office in a democratic state, save perhaps by a miracle. No educated man, stating plainly the elementary, the simplest, the fundamentalist notions that every educated man holds regarding the government, all the basic things that an education person knows and understands about the government will ever be elected to office in, in a democratic state, unless it's a miracle. Because he knows, she knows how the sausage is made. And she tells her constituents, this is how they do it. This is the setup. This is the grift. They're educated. They understand what's happening. They understand why it's happening. They understand who's pulling the strings and who are the puppets. They're never going to be elected democratically in a democratic state because that would pull back the veil and reveal the truth. And so you have the demagogue who lies because he knows that the people he's lying to are idiots. But then you have the demoslave is the one who listens to what these idiots have to say and then pretends that he believes it too. We call that populism. <laughs> That's Donald Trump, by the way. He pretends to be a populist, even though he's a billionaire. And he listens to what these idiots are saying to him and then pretends that he too believes what they are saying. Populist is just a fancy term for demoslave. And like Mencken points out, to be selected, sorry, to be elected to a political office under democracy, you have to be either a demagogue or a demoslave or perfectly a little bit of both. Lie to the idiots, but then pretend that you listen to the idiots at the same time. That's my governor in a nutshell. And when pushed, when questioned, he reacts exactly like one would expect, like a child throwing a temper tantrum. He rages and raves and shouts and literally throws temper tantrums at the lectern. How dare you question my decisions? How dare you question the wisdom of my authority in my office? To question me is to question the highest office in this state. To question my experts and those whom I have selected to help you is an attack. It is an extremist viewpoint that you're putting forward because it disagrees with me. He can't argue facts. He can't argue logic. He can't argue from an educated position because he is not smart, not knowledgeable, not well-read, not articulate. He is a demagogue slash demoslave. Most governors are, regardless of whether they're Democrat or Republican. Because no educated man who understands the inner workings of the government, who then exposes that to his constituents, her constituents, will ever be elected. We can't have people finding out the truth. They'd revolt. They'd rebel. 
They'd stop showing up for work. They'd stop paying their taxes. And if they stop doing what we tell them to do, if they stop being manipulated, if they cease in their obedience to us, we might lose power. As uh, Lepidamine said in Blazing Saddles, gentlemen, we have to protect our phony baloney jobs. And that's exactly what these social parasites, these predatory insects called politicians are doing all the time. Calculating, triangulating, taking orders from their corporate overmasters, getting in front of the podium like ugly actors, playing their roles, reading their lines, selling us on the latest attack on our lives and our health and our well-being. And then every four years, every six years, every two years, we vote for them again. Choosing the lesser of two evils, as I saw so many people arguing on social media last night. But the lesser of two evils is evil. And at some point, if you are educated and knowledgeable, if you think for yourself, if you are a critical thinker and you listen and you study history, you have to admit this is not a democracy. This is not a constitutional republic. That's all branding. That's all marketing talk. That's propaganda. We are a chattel slave state who carry our cages around with us in our pockets so that the state can track us and listen to us and know everything that we're thinking or feeling or seeing or doing every second of every day of our lives so that it becomes easier and easier for them to control and manipulate us to make us these hybridized cybernetic organisms who are obedient to the state, even if it's against our own best interest, even if it's a threat to our own lives. And we vote for that. We choose that for ourselves. And we're actually proud of it. So this is a bit of a rant today, not quite a, a debrief, so to speak. But... I wanted to read Mencken, I wanted to read Soul, I wanted to talk about Hayek to just let you know that if you're like me and you feel like, again, you're all alone, you're isolated, you're on an island by yourself, you're not. There are other people like us who think this way. We're just not allowed at the podium. We're not allowed to take the microphone. We don't get voted in because we don't run for office because we know the game is rigged and we know that it costs and we're not willing to give up our souls to do it. We are the Reformation, the real Reformation, the real revolution. The men and women who choose to live every day as free individuals, playing the game by their rules, the best that we can, living in such a way that we build up our homes and our families, that we create and produce these little revolutionaries, intellectual, enlightened revolutionaries, moral and ethical revolutionaries, spiritual revolutionaries who live free, who grow their own garden, who hunt and fish, who build with their own two hands, their own homes, their lives, their families, their churches. We are the true revolutionaries. We are the true rebels. We are the DIY, punk rock, do-it-yourself rebels. We're the skate punks of today. So while everyone else goes off and marches in order, literally lines up to go into the meat processing plant called the voting booth, we refuse. We refuse to participate in our own annihilation. 
And instead, we thank God every day for his grace. We pray for his peace. We pray for wisdom and enlightenment. We pray for him to send his holy angels to cover and protect us and defend us from all evil. And we go on. We go on. We protect our families and our friends. We show up for work. We go to school. We show up at the gym. We show up and we live free. And then when those who see that we are different ask us how we do it, we have a friendly conversation. We love them as we love ourselves. We show them compassion and kindness. And we recognize we were all there once. We were all struggling to figure it out for ourselves. What we believed would be true versus what we were shown to be untrue. And I can say at 51 years old, I don't know anything. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know anything. This, this universe is infinite. There are billions of people on earth. And I don't know any of them. So how can I claim to have the only answer? All I know is I believe this to be true. Based on my own experience, my own knowledge, my own reading and study of history. And so all I can do is share my opinion with you. I can share with you what I believe to be the truth. And if you disagree, I hope that at the very least I've provoked you to think. And if you do agree, I hope this provokes you to think more. And if you're somewhere in between and you're not quite sure, I hope this motivates you to go down these rabbit holes and do your own research and think for yourself and form your own opinions separate from the herd. If I can do that, if I can provoke you to think for yourself, to question your own presuppositions and judgments, your own prejudices, then I will have accomplished my goal for recording this episode. And so with that being said, I'll cut it short today. And I'll say this to conclude. All of us are born artists. All of us are born geniuses. God doesn't create junk. He doesn't create garbage. I don't care what your IQ is. I don't care what your physical abilities or disabilities are. I don't care where you land on the social spectrum or what your status is or how many zeros there are in your bank account. It doesn't matter whether you're married or unmarried, whether you have children or not, whether you live in a mansion or live on the street. God created all of us to be artists. He created all of us geniuses. We are all of us intelligent, articulate, beautiful works of art. And it is the world and others who beat that out of us as we grow and mature. So I strongly encourage you again to heed Nietzsche's words that a sign of maturity, of maturation, is rediscovering the seriousness of a child at play. Think about that. A sign of maturity is rediscovering the seriousness of a child at play. Play the game, folks. Know the rules. Learn the rules. Master the rules. We all have to play the game unless we all want to go to jail. But just because we play the game doesn't mean that we have to suffer under the delusion that we can somehow win or that the game isn't rigged against us. It is. The whole thing is rigged. It's a grift. 
And so, yes, we're forced to participate in it. We go to work. We collect a paycheck. We get taxed. We have to stop at the stop sign. We have to register our guns. We have to buy a license to fish. But that doesn't mean then that we can't be wise as serpents and that within the rules of the game, manipulate the rules so that we don't have to participate and march in step with the herd. We don't always have to do what we're told. We don't always have to obey their orders. We don't have to be a part of the system because we can recognize, like Tom McDonald says, it doesn't matter if you're black and white, black or white, it hates you all. So play the game, learn the rules. Just don't have any illusions about the outcome. And then figure out how to live free within that as much as is possible and to help others and walk with others, support others as they struggle within this system. Show them compassion and kindness. I think if we can do that, at the very least, we can live with gratitude. We can live open to being compassionate towards others. And we can reject this binary way of seeing the world and playing the game. I think we can do that. And if we can continually grow and continue to educate ourselves and continue to admit that we don't have all the answers and that we're constantly struggling to discover and to learn new things about ourselves, new things about each other, new things about the world that we inhabit. If we can just bore down though and recover that childlike sense of seriousness at play, recognize that we are all created by our maker to be artists and geniuses and to stop allowing other people to fetter and chain us with their expectations. Then we can escape the matrix. Then we can check out of the system. We don't have to be fat lazy and stupid. We don't have to accept their brainwashing and their programming. We can reject the indoctrination. We can do that so long as we play their game. So they think they're winning and they will win their game. But there's a bigger game happening and we're all a part of it. And the one who created this game that we call reality, that we call life, he wrote the rules to the game. And in this game, you and I have already won by virtue of being created. And so lean into that today. Don't lament or celebrate the elections. It's all theater. It's all a grift. It's all selection by corporations and global interests. Our votes don't count. Well, yours don't. I don't vote. <laughs> Sorry, misspoke. But that's okay. It's okay that your vote doesn't count. It doesn't matter who you elected or who was selected for you. Get up, go in the kitchen, bake a cake, and then share it with somebody and celebrate the fact that today you're alive and you got to bake a cake and then you got to sit down and eat it with your family or your friends. That's real. That's real. And that's what matters. That's all that matters is that we wake up every morning and that we're grateful for another day of life and that we have people in our lives that we can share the day with. And if you don't have that, then make that your mission. Make that your goal. To find people to sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee and a piece of cake with. It may seem like a trivial thing, but I think it's actually pretty important. It's really what life is all about. Creating and sharing. Loving and being loved. 
living honestly with integrity and surrounding yourself with other people of integrity. So get after it today. Go bake a cake. Go love someone. Enjoy the fact that you're alive. And then in the end, they may think they won last night, but they're really the big loser. And we, we are the winners. All right, brothers and sisters, I appreciate you. I love you. And I'll talk to you again real soon, Space Monkeys. Peace.